Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of With Love Alexa. Today I have Jody Rollins of Big Brother 14. She's an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker. She's an event producer. She's done it all. She's also the host of the podcast, Big Time Small Talk. And today we're going to talk all about her ventures, um, how she got into each of these and her time on Big Brother and just all about mental health. So without further ado, hi Jody. Good morning, or I don't know where you are, but it's still morning here. It's actually afternoon. It's almost two here. Where are you actually? Michigan. Oh, okay. So Eastern, Eastern coast time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where are you? California? Yes. Yeah. Southern California. Oh, so it's nice and warm there, or at least warmer than here in some other places. Definitely warmer than there. <laughs> I don't even know what your temperature is, but I can pretty much guarantee. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's. I think it's like in thirties, twenties, somewhere around there. Yeah. No. So, how are you doing today? How's quarantine, COVID life? You know, honestly, it's been a mixed bag for me because there have been many pluses and, of course, minuses. I think. Thankfully, the pluses outweigh the minuses, yeah. and I feel lucky that I enjoy my husband. So more time with him is better. And I mean, he luckily is still working and, and, you know, has not been directly affected. I mean, he's been affected, but not as far as going to his everyday job, but, and everybody's been healthy. None of my, none of my family members have gotten COVID. So it's, that's been the best part of it. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. Cause that, it's scary. It's like, you don't know what's going on. So it can be really scary yeah. just to watch out for your family. Um, and I agree too. It's been like a mix of good and bad. Like obviously no one wants to be like stuck at home, but my business I think has definitely flourished a lot more than had I not had, had I not had quarantine. I think a lot of, I met a lot of cool people because of it. So. Well, that's good. It kind of forces you to think I mean, maybe if you're already an outside of the box thinker like I am, but it forces you to really think outside of the box because yeah. it's kind of sink or swim, you know, if, if yeah. a lot changes in your life, you have to figure out how to survive and not just survive, but thrive. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's sort of my goal every day to find the opportunities in whatever is presented to me. Doesn't make it not difficult, but I know that that's something that I'm, I'm sort of used to doing is like, all right, well, these are the, this is the situation at hand. How am I going to make something out of this? You know? And that's probably why you do so well, like with events, because you have to be like that to be an event coordinator, producer. I used yeah. to work in event planning um, a few years ago, but like, you definitely have to like be prepared and like figure out how to overcome issues. So yes, put out little <laughs> fires and big fires all at the same all time. The time. Yes. <laughs> so when did you get into motivational speaking? Um, well, it was actually by mistake. I mean, I always knew that that's something I wanted to do. I mean, for years, because my life has been so touched by in particular women and men too, but there are so many like women that just really, they resonate with me, the things they sort of talked about and experiences. And I thought, I want to do that for decades, right? But how do you give yourself that stamp other than 
go to school. I don't, I mean, a certification seems like no. And so I never knew how I could give myself legitimacy. I just knew that's something I wanted to do. And so when I, I, I used to work at our local chamber of commerce and I was the events coordinator there. And then I kind of sprung board and started my own company and I started producing events. And a lot of people, when you say events, they think, oh, okay, so weddings and right. and birthdays. Well, no, that's not me. I like things that come out of my own head and then to create them. So I started <clears throat> an agricultural expo because I live in an agricultural valley and I'm married to a farmer. And so I like accidentally fell in love with the industry of agriculture and knew that there wasn't a big event down here that celebrated that and helped connect businesses and people and all this. So when I did that, I ended up doing a lot of like outreach just to promote it. And then people kind of found out about me and it. And so they would oh well will you come speak at these schools because we want kids to know that agriculture isn't dying it's just changing and it's a profession that people can still aspire to because there's a lot of young kids that are like at least where i live they're like agriculture it's you know i don't want to be picking you know fruits and vegetables in the field like my great-grandfather and so it was all about shifting their focus and bringing hope for them so that was kind of the first step and then when i actually did the event And I mean, I had never produced an entire event all by myself. I mean, I had no money. I started this business. I started an LLC. Anything I didn't know, I just Googled. And so from that, then when the event was finished, and I honestly didn't know, I mean, I hoped it would be successful and it would work, but I had no idea. And once it worked, I would go to different mixers and women would come up to me and say, oh my gosh, that's so great that you're following your dreams and your passions. I wish I could dot, dot, dot. And they would say all these things that they were too afraid to do. And isn't that great that I was fearless and I did everything. And I thought, wait a minute, I wasn't fearless. I was fearful the entire time, (laughs) but I did it anyway. And so I would watch TED Talks and every day I would sit at my desk and not every day, but oftentimes when I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? I'm going to be like a countywide joke. I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I just, you know, Google TED Talk motivation, TED Talk inspiration. And I thought, I just love this. And so it would help me get over those humps of fear and anxiety. And so then from that, I thought, well, gee, there's all these people that come up to me and think that I just was like, I had some magic power or magic potion and I knew how to do everything fearlessly when that couldn't have been further from the truth. Maybe I should do a second event where I help inspire and motivate other business women to let them know I'm no more special than anybody. I just did it. That's all there is. That's the only magic power is to just keep going. And so from that, I started a women's business empowerment event and started, I I was sort of the keynote speaker because I knew the message that I wanted to get out. And then I had other speakers as well. And so doing that, and then the word got out locally because I live in kind of a small, like our county is 200,000 people. So the word kind of gets out about you and so you get asked to speak. And so from there, it kind of snowballed. And then when I started my podcast, I wanted to do motivational sort of an an angle, I guess, on Mm -hmm. that. And that's the short version of how it all began. But that's awesome. And that's sometimes the better way for things to happen. It's Mm -hmm. just like by accident. Yeah. 
definitely. And I think because it was always something that was in my heart, mm-hmm. because I know that so many people have touched my life because of that people I don't know. Like I really like Mel Robbins and, you know, I don't know if you know who she is. She's a motivational speaker and she, she's just amazing. And I just think, you know, as specifically as women, <clears throat> obviously never been a man. I don't know the problems they have or concerns. <laughs> I can speculate, but I think we as women are so quick to tell ourselves that we can't do things yeah. for a million reasons. I don't have the education. I don't have the money. I don't know how I'm going to fail. Who do I think I am? I'm not good enough. I can't, my kids, my job, my husband, my this, my that. And men statistically go, oh yeah, yeah. I have all this stuff, but I'll figure out a way. And so I guess it's like, it's something I'm very passionate about trying to communicate that, no, we can find a way to persevere no matter what the situation is little by little by little. So I love that. I think that is so important. And I think it's almost like in women, even like nowadays, like young women, like, I think it's sometimes it's still ingrained, even if we weren't taught that way, like, even if we weren't like told that you can't do this because you're a woman, or I think sometimes because of the past, like, and how society used to be, I think it's still somewhat ingrained. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have every reason to assume that what I was doing didn't make sense because agriculture in general is a, an industry that's dominated by white men. And so, and that's for sure true where I live. And there's, um, I live in a heavily populated Latino area, but the power structure is white men. So me being a black female, I had no reason to be accepted in agriculture and I had every reason not to be. And so that it it was a double-edged sword because I stood out and people didn't forget me. But then on the other hand, I stood out and there was a lot of like, wait, but who do you work for? right but wait who's in charge i don't get it who are you doing this for and i would be like me it's my company my idea this is my baby and they didn't believe in me but then it just took you know a certain group to believe in me and then they did and then the next one and the next one and so on and so you know it's very easy to self-doubt your way into inactivity and i guess that's something that i'm just very passionate about trying to communicate to just keep going Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of that has to do with mental health, too. I think the more we are weighed down by these thoughts or these fears of like not being good enough, that can really weigh someone down. Absolutely. And like make them feel like they can't do it. And in the end, they don't do it because they feel so strongly. Yeah. And I know for me, I've I've suffered from depression and anxiety. And it's interesting. I mean, for probably my depression is probably started when I was in college. And it seems like that's a common occurrence and maybe even earlier than that, but it became very acute. And it's interesting now that people can say, and I saw somebody else post about this on Instagram, it's socially acceptable to say, yeah, I suffer from anxiety because that's almost like um, stress. Like people can sort of relate, oh, it's just stress or anxiety is acceptable to say now a little bit. But when you say depression, 
that's weakness. You're yeah. weak. Snap out of it. What's wrong with you? But so you can kind of throw, oh yeah, I suffer from anxiety and depression. You know, it's almost like the second little thing that you yeah. can kind of throw in there. But I try to just say, look, it, it's both for me. And I had a therapist once that said, it's two sides of the same coin, at least in my perspective, you know, yeah. depression is anger turned inward and it's at yourself and I can't and I'm bad and I'm useless and all this negative self-talk. And I call depression the great lie because it's nothing but lies and it's taken me no joke decades to deprogram myself and I'm still a work in progress and will be for the rest of my life but to to let myself know that all of those lies that my brain tells me are not true you know every sentence that starts with what if is not true. What if I can't do this? What if I fail? What if I'm an embarrassment? What if this lump on my leg is cancer? Like, you know what I mean? It's like everything, what if? And so mental illness, as much as we are talking about it more and more, which is better. Way more. Yes. Because people just throw it around and say, oh yeah, yeah, this country needs to focus on mental illness. And then they move on, but it takes Mm -hmm. money. It takes resources. It takes education. It takes changes in perspective. So noticing, you know, I mean, I could go on forever and ever, but me too. So don't worry. (laughs) It's frustrating. You know, as a matter of fact, I was listening to, um, I don't even know who the guy was, but I had tuned into XM and I was listening to CNN and this guy was talking about, a man was talking about how his his son had committed suicide, I guess, I don't know, earlier last year, sometime after the pandemic had started and he was a teenager. And he said, you know, the biggest thing I noticed was all the, the symptoms and things that people tell you to look for it wasn't how it presented. My son presented in a different way. And the news person interviewed him was like, okay, right, right. And I was like, what? Tell us what you saw. And so she circled back around and asked him again. And then he sort of said, you know, statistically, this is what you're supposed to see and, you know, all these things. And then he didn't answer the question and whatever. I don't fault him because he's in his own grief, but I think it's so important for people to know what it looks like. Yeah. You know, what, what do people look for? What do parents look for? What is it that people should see? Because it's so easy once you know, I mean, easier, mm-hmm. what to look for. And it's just sad that, that that man doesn't have a chance to, you know, go back in time and save his yeah. son's life. But the more we talk about it, the more somebody else may be at home going, oh my gosh, you know, my daughter, my sister, my son, my brother, whatever gee, he is kind of doing these things, you know, so. And I think it's also important to talk about it with like your kids or at a young age to show that feelings are okay. And like, that's not weak because like I grew up with always being able to share how I'm feeling and like Mm -hmm. my parents would always support me and any, and did whatever they could to help me. So I never really felt alone. That's good. And like, you need, we need that. And the younger we teach, the more likely maybe less will happen because people will feel comfortable, kids will feel comfortable. And as they grow, they learn that it's okay. 
Yeah. And especially if you learn the tools early on and you, right. as a child, as a young person, as a teen, and then moving forward, because the twenties are such a tricky time that you're usually out of your house, or if you're not out of your house, there's a lot of pressure to get out of your house and you're put into the world. And it's like, well, you're an adult. Cause at least in my experience, you spend all this time, you're a kid, everything's good, riding your bike, mm-hmm. but you want to be older. You want to be older. And then it's like, I'm a teenager. Yay. I can drive. I want to be older. I want to be older. <laughs> Woo, I'm 18. I can vote if that matters to some kids doesn't, but it did to me. And then it was like, I'm an adult. Holy crap. Yeah. What? Because there's not a lot of sort of information about how to manage your emotions. How do, I mean, we talk about this, people talk about it all the time, like how to write a check. I mean, less and less now because everything's digital, but just how to go out into the world and it's okay to be stressed. It's okay not to know what you're doing and not to understand all there is to being an adult. It's hard, you know? Yeah, and I agree. And I think what too is what's so difficult is in schools, you're not taught those kind of life skills so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's it. You're right now, like these young, young kids, like in elementary, they're like competing to get to the highest point, like the, to go to college where we never, like I had recess, I had playtime. Like I wasn't being forced to study all the time or like nowadays it's so much more competitive. And that, yeah. that also mixing with anxiety and depression can really be hard on these kids yeah. because it's like they feel like if they don't do well, they're not going to succeed. But that's just using math, science, English, like things you don't always need. Like yeah. I was a communication major, but I still had to use, I still do math classes and science that I don't even need. <laughs> I, know. Like I would have rather had two years of school. Yeah just focused on my degree and things like that, or even have a couple classes of just life skills. Yes. In two years, then having four years and having to retake classes I just took and, and I didn't like in high school, why am I going to, I'm not going to probably do well necessarily Mm -hmm. in college. Yeah. I mean, thinking about like algebra two and three and geometry and and all these things. I mean, we could do better with having a civics lesson, understanding how our government works. Most people don't even know how our government works and how to manage emotions and all of that stuff. I mean, I watch reality TV even before I was on Big Brother. And there's a lot of like, because I'll watch The Bachelor, which I'm a little embarrassed, but I watch it. And there's all these women who are, this thing I've noticed, they're almost like trying to dig the tears out of their eyes. They're like, don't want to cry and there's you know the fanning and all this stuff and it's like this distortion what is wrong with crying I am a crier it is a release it is part of our physiology it's what happens and yeah sure I mean I've been at work I used to wait tables years ago and I I mean, there would be times when I'm like, you get so angry and like you feel the tears welling up and you don't want to cry like with your boss or in a bad situation. And obviously you want to go off and be by yourself and not do that. But in general, I don't know why crying is somehow this horrendous thing, because right. if you're upset, what I mean, what is, I mean, literally, you see them like doing this thing where they're like, just and, and, wait, hold on. Sorry. And all this apologizing. Yeah, it's what happens. It's okay to be upset. And I just, for me, when I see so much, I mean, social media, again, with the double-edged sword, it's a great tool. It's a great resource. It is a way to feel connected, but it's also the worst thing. <laughs> your life, yeah. The bad, the negativity, but 
all of the stuff that we see on there where women are just like, on one hand, you'll say, I want mental health to be acceptable. But on the other hand, you will dig the tears out of your eyes and say that you're weak if you cry and you're not. So it, it's just frustrating to watch and, I know. you know. And, and I feel like it's just never going to change. Like, I feel like it's getting better at times, but I feel like it's so far that not in our lifetime, I don't think it'll ever be completely you know, acceptable, unfortunately. I agree with you. I think it's, it's very, you know, it's almost like when they say the wheels of justice turn slowly, the wheels of any kind of social or emotional change also turn slowly. But I mean, I, I'm 50 and I see the difference between when I was 20, like the things you couldn't talk about. That you can't like, you could never say I'm depressed or I deal with depression because that meant you were crazy. What's wrong Mm -hmm. with you? Can't you manage your life or whatever? And so it's nice to see the slow progression or I I follow um, Amy Brown. She's on the Bobby Bones show, which used to be out of Austin, it's out of Nashville now. And she talks about her eating disorder. And I love that she can be open with that because if she didn't, you would just think she's this really cute girl that has everything together. Uh, She's just tiny, which she's very thin, but that has no issues. And she really opens up about what she's done and what she's gone through and continues to go through and be in recovery. And that's so important because when I was a kid, it was an after school special and that was it. Like we didn't really know. I mean, there were, I mean, it was just beginning. I knew this one girl yeah. in my high school who was like emaciated and everybody would whisper, oh, she's, she's bulimic, Stacy's bulimic, you know? And so, you know, having mental health be on the forefront is good, but we have a lot of work to do, you know? Well, thank you so much for taking the time I've loved talking to you and I want to hear a little bit more about before we kind of wrap up, but I'd love to hear more about your podcast. Absolutely. Well, hopefully your listeners will tune in. It's called Big Time Small Talk and it's stories and observations beyond small talk. It's kind of a little bit like this, but it's not a guest driven show. It has motivational aspects to it. I tell stories and kind of share my observations. So we talk about life, you know, dealing with depression. We, I mean, I have a new thing called the sex episode where I'm talking about sex, the stuff that people are uncomfortable talking about talk about emotions talk about politics race religion just all of the stuff that people try to take off the table i put it back on the table and we have fun there's serious stuff because i get very passionate but i just laugh and have a great time so it's called big time small talk available on apple Podcasts, google play everywhere you listen i hope people will tune in and you know follow me on instagram and let me know that you listen to it my instagram handle by the way is at jody rollins nice and simple so it's a great i time. love I that yeah well, thank you so much for coming on and it's been great talking to you and I love the passion you have for motivation and mental health because I have the same, I feel the same with you. So thank you. Um, thank this was you another episode, asking. of course, yeah. and this is another episode of With Level X and I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>